This episode is sponsored by Nero. Do you ever constantly feel like you're falling behind and can never catch up and the stress and anxiety are taking over? Are you used to being productive and efficient, but lately you've been feeling sluggish and unable to stay focused for more than a few minutes at a time? Looking for an alternate choice to cut back on those energy drinks and giant cups of coffee? Then we've got the choice for you. Try Neuro. Neuro is a brand of gum and mints used to energize, calm, and focus whenever you need it. Neuro was developed by former athletes training at the highest level who didn't want to take mysterious supplements or energy drinks when studying, training, or going out. Instead of something sugary and ineffective, they wanted to create clean, balanced energy that could be taken anywhere, anytime. With thoughtfully curated ingredients and endless lab testing, means that you can reach the right state of mind safely and consistently. Get that clean burst of energy and focus without the effects of coffee or energy drinks. It's a smart way to fuel body and mind. Stay in the zone, avoid the jitters, and crashing. Our listeners will get an automatic discount of up to 20% off on any gum or mint products using our link, tryneurogum.com slash potential. That's try. N-E-U-R-O gum dot com slash potential. Once again, that's trynerogum.com slash potential. Order now. Get that clean burst of energy and focus. And remember, know your potential. Reviewing the latest in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more. This is Potential Picks. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. I'm joined by my co-host and fellow member of the Manhattan Project, Taylor Sokol. Today we're reviewing the biographical thriller epic film Oppenheimer. This is written and directed by Christopher Nolan and based on the biography American Prometheus by Kai Bird uh, and Martin J. Sherwin. So, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan, we're always very excited when one of his projects is coming out. And we were told Oppenheimer was his new big film all about uh, the life of J. Robert Oppenheimer and, of course, developing the atomic bomb. And uh, we were excited because Kelly Murphy who has always been one of Nolan's, uh, you know, go-to guys in supporting roles. And, you know, he's had such a wide career, was going to be taking the mantle of lead role for this as Oppenheimer himself. So we're excited to get into it. Realistically, we're not really going to do spoilers because this is a historical film. This yeah. actually <laughs> did happen. Um, So can't really spoil anything. I mean, you could spoil, I guess, bits about the movie. We're going to kind of talk more about the production value, the, the cinematography, the acting. So we're not really doing spoilers because, again, it's history. But, Taylor, what's a brief synopsis of Oppenheimer? Absolutely. So the story predominantly focuses on Oppenheimer's early studies in school, uh, his direction of the Manhattan Project during World War II, and being eventually his fall from grace due to a uh, security hearing where um, after the dropping of the time bomb, his you know, warnings and, you know, speaking out against the use of nuclear energy as weapons uh, kind of put him in hot water and kind of really changed his career and image in the public light. 
Um, this, I, this is again, you know, big film coming out right against Barbie, which we will be reviewing if we have not already. Um, and this, this film, there was so much, you know, going about there. Chris and I both huge fans of history. And I think especially very knowledgeable World War One, World War Two, And Oppenheimer, I, I always, you know, knew a lot about him, but not a lot of the intricacies of, you know, the Manhattan Project, what went on behind this. Um, so I was really excited to see this movie. And I knew that what the film was going to do was not only just talk about um, the brilliance of nuclear energy and, and Oppenheimer and what he and his team had done, but also just a timeless story about the dangers of what this, you know, you know, American Prometheus, you know, giving this fire to mere mortals can ultimately is going to do to not only change the face of the war and the outcome, but also what war would be like for the future of mankind. Yeah, Nolan really plays into the the fear and stress of this project, um, because I think what's so brilliant about the film is it really starts off with how much Oppenheimer kind of visualizes this other world, this atomic world. Um, it's constantly on his mind. He, he, in a way, sees things that most people cannot. And in that, there is that kind of, uh, you know, it's a, it's a double-edged sword where because you can, you never stop thinking about it. So mm-hmm. I think yeah. what's so interesting about this film is they play with the duality of he's so focused on wanting to do this project because from a scientific standpoint, this would be one of the biggest events in American history. And all the pieces that have to come together to not only have the science match, the funding, the actual building of this bomb, how to test it. There's so many factors that go into it. And of course, this is a three hour film. This easily could be a 50 episode, you know, five season story if they really wanted to. But, you know, Nolan is very key on doing films only. But then you have the, you know, after the bomb is tested at the Manhattan Project, it's then the other side where you realize, what have we done? Have we developed something that now, if in the wrong hands, could be devastating? And even even with, you know, famously America having used the two bombs on Japan, there's a science side where you can definitely be like, wow, the, look what we built, the, the biggest bomb ever built, and, and the science went behind it, and all the work from these people, and, and you know, now my name's going to be in lights and, and I'm going to be known for this. But then you have that moral question of thousands upon thousands of innocent lives are going to be affected and, and destroyed because of these things. And I think Nolan did a very good job of not going too heavy into the horror aspect of that. But there's definitely enough, especially in the, the last third of the film, um, where you kind of see this almost ascent to madness in a way. And then at the same time, Oppenheimer is battling his own country. They're like, you know, making him like a martyr because um, of his previous ties to communism and other factors. And I will say it was kind of interesting the last third of the film because it's like the first two hours, like definitely there's times that are, are set during the hearing from the beginning of the movie. So we're doing flashbacks of him younger, building up to him joining the AEC and then, you know, building the the Manhattan project and all that the last third is so much going on with how much you know and we get into robert downey jr's character of like what was put in place to try to like basically like ruin his name and get him to like be a 
lose his security clearance and basically never work for the, you know, American government again. It's kind of surprising for what is really a pivotal moment in history, how much he kind of fell from grace post the testing of the bomb. I agree. Now, yeah, three hour film, it's it's a long film. And I, I feel like based on from his early years of university until after the hearings, and I thought they were able to use the three hours to advantage. My my for um confusion, I feel like although they follow the biography very good, I wish they kind of focus more on the hearings towards the end of the film. It is kind of confusing in the beginning with kind of flip-flopping. I'm not if you don't really know much about what's going on, you're kind of a little confused. And at some points I'm wondering, it, it makes you wonder, is is this all in Oppenheimer's mind? Because there's another you the first time that Nolan has used kind of trickery and, and things like that. So it is kind of when it starts out, it's a little confusing for me, but as I went along, I got more and more in depth of this. And again, I saw this in a pack theater. I didn't see an IMAX, but I, I did see it in a pack theater and, you know, everyone was really engaged and whatnot. Now we talk about films where we, we on this podcast reviewed a lot of films where oh man, it's packed with cameos, cameos. This film literally had the, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a film with that many recognizable stars and it didn't take you out of the experience, but you got excited. Like, oh my God, they got another star here. I mean, you got everyone from, I mean, obviously our big you know, stars here, Killian Murphy, we've got Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, but then we've got Josh Hardnett, Casey Affleck, Rami Malek, uh, Kenneth Branagh. Um, you even got uh, a little, uh, you know, another- the smallest uh, cameo with Gary Oldman. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which is another so, uh, veteran of uh, Nolan's plays, work. Yeah, playing Truman. President Truman. For literally, I think he's on screen for maybe two minutes of this three-hour film. Um, but it was an impactful scene. And I, I love hearing about Nolan. He was like, you know, there's so many characters to display within this film that, you know, I just, you know, there's certain actors I, I want to work with. Uh, certain ones I know are going to fit the bill. And, you know, I mean, you got like Alex Wolf, You got Josh Peck, Jack Quaid. Um, you know, the great Kenneth Branagh's in here for, you know, a role. And then, you, you know... David S. Malchin. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. The one I was surprised about, um, just because it's so nice to see him kind of back in this limelight, it's a very different role from what I've seen him. You know, he used to be such the heartthrob, and now it's kind of nice to see him branch out was uh, Josh Hartnett. I really loved his work in this, but the standout role, apart from Killian, um, who dominates this film and is in almost every scene of this film, and the way he just encapsulates this character and you know his his kind of gaunt thin look and his madness at times those eyes and he's got that accent down so well but the one that is a surprise i think for a lot of people just because we've been so used to him as a certain role for a decade is robert Downey jr this is a return form for him to his true acting as lewis strauss who i love how nolan kind of uh, approached the role for him looking at Amadeus and he was like think of the Mozart Amadeus kind of you know situation he's like this is kind of what happened with Strauss and Oppenheimer there's this kind of you know it's not it's not to the point of like comic book arch nemesis Dylan, or anything yeah. like that it's just you know the way that it pans out with him kind of being rubbed the wrong way because of some seemingly snubbed 
uh, yeah. in the eyes uh, of it, uh, oh yeah. man it just builds to some really great stuff and i mean i think i can easily see Kelly Murphy getting a Best Actor nomination and Robert Downey Jr. getting a Best Supporting Actor nomination. I would be surprised if not <laughs> yeah. for both of them. But I mean, the whole cast is fantastic. And yeah, for a three-hour film, I thought it was paced very well. The last hour did start to feel a little long only because it's so much about these hearings and we're having these scenes that are like constantly questioning. And this is a very wordy script. You know, this is not a Nolan film where there's like action scenes i mean the 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 uh blockbuster scene if you will the scene that's gonna sell tickets is the bomb scene um at the manhattan project them actually testing it that whole sequence is the the a ticket moment here and you're sitting in there and it, it happens and you're like wait for it wait for yeah. the boom and <laughs> yeah. see and it's and- let's get ready you're gonna yeah. jump by your seat <laughs> but i i was so just invested i was riveted I mean, again, Nolan has such a great cinematography. He shot, you know, this is 70 millimeter IMAX. Um, Obviously, not every format is going to be that way, but there's just a real authentic look to his camera work. Um, You know, because this is a historical film, it does feel like that. It does feel like you're watching some documentary that happens to be a film. Um, And the unique thing he does, which he's kind of done in other films, is he does do this kind of, there's, there's a majority of the scenes are in color, but then there's a lot of scenes are in black and white. And I'm sure it's, there's a reason why he, he did it that way, but maybe that's for interpretation of why some are kind of grayscale and then why are in color. Um, I'm sure, you know, going back for a second or third look, you could kind of maybe get more of the picture of why, but um, the other great element of this film is the music. Um, Nolan always has great scores in his films. And we have Ludwig Gorenson, who, you know, has been just, killing it in the game lately with uh, music here to support uh, this film. And again, as something Nolan likes to do with, I think he kind of has this way of having music invoke the emotions of the audience with what's going on in the film, that, that ticking kind of time bomb situation of a lot of this film, the nervousness, the what's going to happen um, cause again, you gotta think they really were afraid that like, if the science was off at all, there was a potential for them to detonate this bomb and it could have sparked a fire to destroy the entire world. Yeah. And they did it anyway, you know? So I think a lot of the music really helped, um, build the tension the and the dread. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I would, I, I, the only thing I would say that would, I think the major thing for me and, I, you know, watching a lot of what we've seen today in, in television and film and use of adult content, I was, I think what, what didn't need to be the only necessary thing was some of the um, sex scenes and the nudity I thought was a little, I, I felt like was not necessarily needed. I wish, you know, a little bit more to the imagination, uh, especially with Rob Oppenheimer's kind of relationship early. I can't, it kind of takes away from Florence Pugh's, you know, there's kind of a scene that kind of just, threw me off and I'm kind of like, eh, do we need that? Um, I felt like that, that would probably be my only kind of black mark of the film was kind of do, you know, does the, you know, that's the big debate, I guess, between do you need more, and though this is an R-rated film and this is first R-rated film since Insomnia, do we necessarily need those scenes or not? And again, that's maybe not up for me to decide, you know? The only thing I would disagree with that is that I think they didn't play up enough of that Oppenheimer slept around a lot. Okay, um, yeah. And I, there was, well, I guess there was so, even yeah. a there was even a character 
that they kind of tease later in the film at like a, a dinner party or like some kind of situation. And then you find out later that like he had slept with her too. Oh, so I think okay. they were yeah. kind of, I can agree. I think with that, they yeah. were trying to playing up a little bit of that. He wasn't, you know, he's not a great guy. Like no. he might've been a brilliant guy, but he wasn't really a great guy. Um, but yes, it, it was interesting. You know, Nolan's never really never done nudity. Um, and it's not, it's not anything grotesque or anything crazy. You know, you, you see Florence Pugh for like literally a few seconds, um, here and there and then there's one really kind of awkward scene where they're sitting in chairs <laughs> that, and that's the scene <laughs> and, i'm talking about i'm like kelly okay, murphy <laughs> kelly murphy's just got his leg crossed and he's just sitting there you know and, and, and his basic and he, instinct <laughs> he's always been very thin but he's like he was he got really thin and gaunt for this role um, yeah because oppenheimer smoked a lot and was very thin um so that yeah it's just a scene that we kind of laugh at a little bit because you're like they they could have done that scene with clothes on as well, but um, yeah. you know, apart from that, this will rank as one of the best films of the year. I'm sure it's going to be nominated for best picture, or best director, best sound editing, acting. There's going to be a ton nominated, and uh, you know, Nolan he he really is a master of what he does. Um, and I think just you know, he's had all these kind of sci-fi. And you know, obviously the Batman films, and I think looking at Dunkirk and then this, there's something that really works with his style, with history, and it makes me intrigued to see what he would do next um, after this. But I think you know this film is doing very well for the box office. It's out um, done its projected uh, numbers, and I do think you know, as we're going to talk about Barbie as well, this Barbie Heimer movement worked for both films. They they you know. Often when films come out on the same weekend and are competing, this is like a film that is, you know, the Barbie audience is not the Oppenheimer audience, but there was something about both of them that worked. Did the social media movement really kind of help it? Yeah. So I'm just glad this move, this kind of movie that, you know, takes so much work and detail um, is getting the audience it deserves. Um, Because unfortunately, sometimes these movies do come through and kind of become duds. So um, be excited to see what happens with Oppenheimer when we get to award season uh, later in the year and in, you know, starting next year with the Oscars and everything. But um, this could be Nolan's uh, potential win. I mean, there's some heavy hitters this year as well with other directors. So we're going to find out. But uh, for my money, I was so excited to see this film and it definitely lived up to its expectations. And I can't wait to go back to see it a second time in theaters. Um, so I'm going to give Oppenheimer a nine out of ten. This Same was here. a knockout of the park. This was the bum. <laughs> uh, it w- she was the bum. Yep. Nine out of 10 for me. Um, definitely check out Oppenheimer in theaters on the biggest screen possible with the best sound system possible. And that was this edition of Potential Picks. Thanks for listening to the Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Potential Podcast or on Twitter at the Potential Pod. Or you can email us Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.